Nehemiah has been quite a study for me, and I hope that it has been for you. And we are not even close to done. I, I figured I would, you know, be like seven weeks in Nehemiah, kind of like John. It was supposed to be a 12-week deal, and it turned out to be a year and a half. I, it's okay. Nehemiah is not going to be a year and a half, but it's going to be a while. <laughs> it's good. But I just want to recap where what we've what we've went over of Nehemiah. And if and if you have your Bible, if you would open it up to Nehemiah chapter 10, that's where we're going to be today. But I want to recap to where where we've come uh, through this journey with Nehemiah. Chapter 1 starts out with Nehemiah asking his brothers how the how Jerusalem was. And, and in that, uh, Nehemiah got the news that, that it was still in destruction. That it was still in despair. And the people were, were, in, were struggling. And Nehemiah wept and prayed for three days. He fasted in that time. And God put it on his heart that, Nehemiah, you're going to get to go to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah spent the next three to four months praying about it. Seeking God's will in that. Seeking uh, God's favor in that. And, and then he had the perfect opportunity to go and talk to King Artaxerxes, who he was a cupbearer for. And King Artaxerxes said, why is your face sad? And Nehemiah got the opportunity to lay out exactly what God had put on his heart. And he got that perfect opportunity to ask the king not only for permission to go, but for all favor. Because see, the king was like, well, you just go. Just tell me when you're going to come back. Well, not just that, but, but hey, King Artaxerxes, can you give me favor? Can you write me a letter so I can get through everything I need to get through? More than that, can you, can you give me the wood that I need? Can you, can you give me a letter so I can get the wood that I'm going to need to rebuild? Can you give me everything that I need? And, and it just happened. And so then Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem, and he doesn't say anything for three days. And he... And he Rides out on the third night to survey the situation. And it was, it was in despair. And he comes back. And I think probably gives one of the most awesome motivational speeches that could ever have been heard in that time. And, and, and he tells them exactly what God had done in his life. And what God had put on his heart. And why he was standing right there at that time in front of those people. And they said, let us arise and build. And they went to work. They went to work on the wall. And they started rebuilding the wall. And yet, of course, they had the adversaries trying to knock them down. Trying to tell them you don't need to do that. Trying to distract them from God's work. And so they put a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. And they kept on working. And they said, you want to come to battle? Come. But we're going to keep doing the Lord's work. And then they had some internal battles. They had to work through those, and they worked through them with the grace of God. And then, and then the adversaries Tobiah and <clears throat> Geshem and tried to distract Nehemiah again. They sent him letters four times saying, hey, you need, to, you need to just come talk with us about all that you're doing here. You need to come talk with us. And he said, no, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. We talked about that, and I hope that that's a verse that's stuck in your mind. And then they got the wall built. And we got to chapter 9, 
And they worshipped and praised the Lord. They worshipped and praised the Lord. They read from the, the good book for half a quarter of the morning. And they confessed their sins. And we talked through that last week about, about confessing. And, and it's not to be in the good graces of heaven, but it's that parental forgiveness of, of seeking God and saying, please God, forgive me because I have wronged you. And I want to be right with you. I want my heart right with you. I want to seek repentance because I want to change my ways and be right with you. And they worshipped. <clears throat> At the end of chapter 9, they said that we signed a covenant. And we talked about our covenant. The new covenant. And I want to start off there. So, Nehemiah Chapter 10, I'm actually going to start in verse 9 just a little bit there. Verse 38. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, and our, Levite, uh, our, leaders our Levites, and our priests seal it. Chapter 10. Now those who placed their seal on the documents were Nehemiah the governor, and all these other people that I'm not going to read again. <laughs> so we get down to the bottom of verse 27. Uh, sorry, verse 28. Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nathanium, and those who had separated themselves from the people of the land to the law of God. Their wives, their sons. I'll just say right there, they separated themselves from the foreigners, the people who are not of God, just as we do right here, right? We gather up, we, we separate ourselves from the world every Sunday morning. It is good. It is good. And it goes on. To the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding. These joined with their brethren, their nobles and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and His ordinances and His statutes. We would not give our daughters as wives to the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. If the peoples of the land brought wares or any grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we would not buy it from them on the Sabbath or on Holy Day. We would forego the seventh year produce and the exacting of every debt. Also, we made ordinances for ourselves to exact from ourselves yearly one-third of a shekel for the, for the service of the house of our God. For the showbread, for the regular grain offering, for the regular burnt offering of the, of the Sabbath, the new moons and the set feasts for the holy things, for the sin offering to make atonement for Israel and all the work of the house of our God. We cast lots among the priests, the Levites, and the people for bringing the wood offering into the house of our God, according to our fathers' houses and the appointed times year by year, to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of all trees year by year to the house of the Lord. 
to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, to bring the first fruits of our dough, our offerings, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil, to the priests, to the storeroom of the house of our God, and to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites. For the Levites should receive the tithe in all our farming communities, and the priests, the descendants of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive tithe, and the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithe to the house of our God, to the rooms and the storehouses. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain of the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are, and we will not neglect the house of our God. And if you say, what did you just say? It's okay. Because <laughs> I don't know. I do. We're going to talk through it. It's good, but let's go to him in prayer first. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. And I pray right now as we work through chapter 10 in Nehemiah, that it be your word that come. That it be your truth that we talk about, Lord. I don't want to take this out of context. I want us to understand what's taking place. And I want us to understand what it's about for us today, Lord. And I just pray that you give us that wisdom. Lord, I thank you for every person here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to go back to a little bit to this covenant. This covenant that they wrote and, and they signed and they sealed. A covenant that was of the old way. They were saying, in this covenant, I'm going to walk with you, Lord. In this covenant, I'm going to follow you and what you have for me in my life. You know, the great news is, is that we don't have to sign that covenant and the way they did. I talked a little bit about last week where, where we have the new covenants with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We have the new covenant where He came to this earth. He, he hung on a cross for us and He was crucified. He was laid in a tomb and He rose from it. And He ascended to heaven. And He gave us a covenant that said, if you believe in Me, you will have life. And it's in Him. But you see, you still have to sign it. You still have to sign it because you say, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. So I pray that you've signed that covenant, that you have confessed him as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And as it says, you are saved. You see, that covenant is important. Even today, our new covenants, we need to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. You see, that covenant is Nothing that you can do can change it, to make it any better. It's already good because Jesus has done it. You just have to sign it. Give Him your heart. Give Him your heart. But you see, they go on. They say that we want to walk in God's law. We want to, we want to be of you, God. I pray that as we went through the last 40 days, and it's been more than that, but the 40 days of fasting and prayer, we put our focus there. And it hasn't changed since the 40 days has stopped. 
But our focus is, I'm going to walk in you, Lord. And when I fall short, I'm going to wake up the next morning in the newness of you, and I'm going to walk in you. You see, but he says this in Nehemiah. It says, uh, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God. You see, as I was thinking through this week, I think that we're pretty good at telling people, you know what, confess Jesus and come to Him and, and man, you're saved. But what about the rest of the life? What about now from that point forward? What about now as we walk in that journey? You see, He says, I want to walk in the commandments. Do we have to walk in the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament? I'm going to say this. Let's walk in the Ten Commandments of the New Testament that Jesus laid out. Every one of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, He brought to the New Testament, but He added to us. We all know that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with everything we have. And that's what it breaks down to. Every ounce of your being, love your God. Love Him with everything you have. Oh yeah, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Are we doing that? I, 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 I've heard something several times and, and it really hit me this week as I was going through this. Do I love my neighbor as myself? Do I love myself? But if you are put on trial, Josh said this at our meeting, I, I don't remember, but if you were put on trial to be convicted of being a Christian, would they have enough evidence to convict you? Well, what a question, right? And it's not, I'm not going down a works road. Please don't hear that. But what I am saying is, do we allow our heart to change to follow the commandments of Jesus Christ? Are we walking in His ways? You see, we're, we're supposed to love our neighbor. Do you love your neighbor or do you fight with him over the fence line about everything else? Maybe it's not your neighbor. It's maybe it's the stranger in the store that you come into contact with. Or the guy you want to road rage, road rage with. Right? Are we loving people? What about the person who really needs love and we just walk on? Are we loving our neighbor? But, we, but even more than that, right? It's the, the Ten Commandments don't stop there. And I'm not going to talk about every one of them, but I'm just going to point out a couple. You see, Jesus, we know, do not murder, right? But Jesus goes on even further and says, you know what, it's not just about murder, but it's about don't have hatred in your heart. Because if you have hatred in your heart, you've already committed murder. Listen to me this morning, church. If you have hatred in your heart for an individual, for, for, for people, I encourage you to get on your knees. I encourage you to get on your knees and seek the forgiveness that you need to pour out. Because listen to me, it's this relationship. It's not about going to that person and making it right. Yet, if you have hatred in your heart, it's about this one. See, God will give you everything you need to get that hatred out of your heart. Get it out of your heart. Don't let it be there. Don't let it fester. Don't let it, don't let it stand in there and stop a, a, an amazing relationship that you can have with God. He says not only don't commit adultery, but don't have lust in your body at all. I'm going to be vague in this because we have youngsters. But if you're looking at anything that 
allows you to lust stop. This numbers are terrifying of what's happening online with people of our world, with people of our churches. Listen, there's an easy way. Set a chair beside you. Have a conversation with Jesus when you have a temptation. <laughs> he's, he's right there. Make it physical because He is right there. Amen. Are we walking in the commandments that Jesus has given? It's not just about accepting Him and then coming to church on Sunday morning and oh, I'm ready to go for the week and living in the world and then coming back on Sunday. And I'm preaching to myself this morning. It's about walking in Him. Walking in Him. And the last one we'll talk about is loving your enemy. Do you? Do you truly love your enemy? Do you pray for your enemy? If you have somebody who is trying to persecute you in some way or another or in every way you can even think of, are you praying for them? Are you truly praying for them and allowing your heart to be about Christ, not about the world. <clears throat> I want to walk in His way. I want to follow His commandments. I want to be about Him. In church, I, I challenge you to say those same things to Jesus, not to me, not to anybody else, but to your Lord. To your Lord. You see, but also in Nehemiah chapter 10, here they, they go... They, uh, Talk about tithing. And I'll tell you, in the last month, I've talked more, I'm going to talk more about tithing than I have in two years. <laughs> I don't like to preach on tithing because I think that it's a personal commitment to your God. doesn't have anything to do with this church. doesn't have anything to do with me. It's your walk with God. Because you see, when you start getting into tithing, the people want to know, well, well, how much? How much makes me right? I don't know. People want to throw out 10%. I, I don't know. What I do know is this, is we have an account in Mark of a young woman. I say young now, but I don't, I don't think she was young. Jesus and the disciples were watching all these people come and bring money to the metal bowl that was made out of metal so that when they threw their big dollars in there, it would boom. And everybody knew they threw a ton of money in there and, and it was good. Their coins, their, their money. <clears throat> and a woman came along there and threw, we're going to say, two pennies. Two pennies in there. And it was everything she had. And Jesus then told His disciples, she just put in more than everybody else. Was it more? Money? No. It wasn't more money. It was more heart. She gave everything she had. It was a heart thing. Right? She poured her heart out. Everybody else was just throwing money. And God says, I don't want your money. I want your heart. 
And so when you're giving to God's work, give your heart. Give, give your heart. Don't, don't think about a, a number. Don't, don't make it about that. Make it about a heart that you give with a cheerful heart. That you give the number, whatever it be. And it, I'm not even talking about this church, but the Lord's work. And whatever God calls you to give. And if your heart's not joyful in that, do something different. Get on your knees and seek. Pray. He'll show you. But it talks a lot about first fruits. Well, what's a first fruit? It's from the top, not the bottom. Hey, over and over again, they talk about the first fruits, the firstborn. If you go through there, it says it over and over and over and over again. First fruits. I'm not giving to my first fruits this morning because I watched volleyball yesterday and I screamed and yelled and now my voice is struggling. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but honestly, he's talking about first fruits. They wanted to give from the top. They wanted to give from the very get-go at the top. They wanted to give of the best, the firstborns. So here's what God put on my heart through all this. Are we given from the first fruit? And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your commitment. Are you giving of your first fruits or are you giving what's left over? Are you giving? Are you giving up your time to the Lord and seeking Him and your relationship and your communication with Him from the, from the top? Or when the day is over and you have no energy left and you want to just go to sleep and you say, oh yeah, God, thank you for the day. And blah, 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 blah. I don't mean to make light of it. Are we giving when we're sharpest? When we're intentional about seeking Him. You see, and I'm preaching to myself this morning because I'll tell you what, my world has gotten extremely... I'm trying not to use the word busy because it's buried under Satan's yoke, but it's busy. And my first fruits have gone to my business, not God. My first fruits... I've been overtaken by stuff, and I'm sick of it. You see, I, I, I want to be about giving my first fruits to the Lord, and then after that, my family. You see, they had been lacking that. They had actually been giving everything to a golden calf to a false god. They have been given everything to everything except God. You know what God did? As soon as they called out to Him, He's like, come on. I'm right here. I'll give you everything you need. I'm right here. Here, I'll give. And He gave. And they were satisfied and happy. And then as soon as they were happy, they turned right back to what was not God. I want to be about giving first fruits of my time, of my commitments to God. And I don't know if you're in the same boat that I am, that just the things of this world are pulling you away, but if they are, to 
Today, you can change that. Today, you can make the decision, you know what? I know I've got a lot going on. I know that I'm busy. I know that I need to do all this stuff. But how about you start your day with prayer? How about you start your day with reading one scripture? One. I'm not saying you've got to sit down and read the whole chapter, a whole book. I'm just saying, start your day with one scripture in time of prayer. Because I've forsaken it. And I want to give it the first fruit. Church, I'm going to challenge you in that. And I want you to take it serious. This world can consume us. That evil one is crafty. He's not omnipresent, though. He's not everywhere. But he's crafty. And he can use things and people to draw you from him. And so I want to encourage you to seek God with the first fruits. And say this every day. We will not neglect the house of our God. That's you and your relationship with Him. Don't neglect that relationship. Seek Him with everything you have. Love Him with everything you have. You see, God's still right there walking with you. God is still right there trying to, to pour out into you. And if you're over here busy, He's still right there, but He's saying, look, i got so much blessing for you that you're passing up because you're not focused on Me. Your eyes are not upon Me. I'm not going into a prosperity gospel by no means, but listen, God wants to bless you. God wants to be by your side and, and give you the detail orchestration that you need in your life. You know, we get so busy that our eyes are drawn from Him, we miss the blessings that He's pouring into our life. So I want to encourage you today that if your eyes are not on Him, that you put them there. That you make the choice to cry out to Him and seek Him. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. preached a lot about our journey with Him, but I'll tell you what, if you have not given Him your life, today's the day to start with that. If you have not confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, today's the day to do that. Today is the day to give Him your life and say, I know that in you I will have life and life eternal. But if you have done that, You've let this let the stuff of this world overcome you. Recommit. Recommit just as they did in chapter 10. They said, We know, God, that we have wronged you. We know in chapter 9 and 10. We have been wicked. We have fallen short of your glory. We, we have not walked the way that you want us to walk, but today we're changing it. Today we're making the intentional intentional choice to be about you 
And I want to encourage you today to do that. I want to encourage you today to make that choice to recommit. Make that choice to give Him your heart and say, I want to follow your commandments. I want to follow your ways so that when I do that, I imitate you and I allow your light to shine. And if anybody ever tried to convict me of being a Christian, there would be so much evidence. I wouldn't need a jury. I want to encourage you today that if you feel like you haven't been walking in those ways, that you can change that and walk in His newness. Don't think you're too far astray. You're not too far off. You're right in His presence. Just turn your eyes upon Him. Father, we thank You. We thank You. We thank You that You are the God of all love. You are the God of everything. You are the God that, that walks beside us even when we stray. And You, uh, as soon as we cry out, you, you are right there to pick us back up, to dust us off. Thank You for that. And I pray that if we have strayed, that we cry out and we become about You. And that we, we want to give You our heart and we want to have You guide us in, in walking in Your commandments, walking in Your will. Lord, I pray that we give You our heart so that You can mold it the way that it needs to be molded for us to walk in You. God, You are so good. You are so good. And I thank You for that. God, I pray that we give You all glory for what You do in our life. I pray that we seek You in the newness every morning. We give of the first fruits, not of what's the leftovers, but the first fruits in our time, in our money, in our thoughts, in our ways. God, help us in that. Give us the strength to do that. God, I thank You so much for that. And I pray that if anybody here is struggling this morning, that God, You just... You just uh, let them feel your comfort, your love, your understanding. God, I pray that they turn their eyes to you fully. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.